get on it now. Uh, awesome. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pray real quick, and then before I even get into like talking about the teaching, I kind of want to have an open discussion. Um, so let's 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 talk to Dad real quick. Dad, we just come before you right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you for today. I thank you that today is a day where we got to face fears and we got to overcome. I thank you that today is a day where we get to find solutions and we get to be family. I thank you that today is a day where we get to uh, repent and change our ways and, and um, just love you better. Because that's really what it's about. is It's about accepting your love for us and, and learning how to love you better. And through that, love ourselves and love others. And so... We just thank you for your word and what your word has to say. And we just give you all the honor and glory and praise in Jesus' holy name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Alright, awesome. So, um, tonight, uh, I know Matt last week kind of had like a connecting the dots moment where he talked about where we're headed and like what our vision is for, for the rest of the year when we're not all at weddings and doing other things. Because we do have plenty of those coming up. Um which is awesome. It's amazing. Like, praise God. Um, but tonight we're going to talk about the purpose of the gifts of the Spirit. And before I get into what I have found scripturally, because honestly I had to repent of a lot of things that I thought that I knew um, and what I thought the purpose of them were or was, uh, I want to ask you guys, like, what what do you think the purpose of the gifts of the Spirit are for? I'm not talking about the Ephesians 4, fivefold ministry gifts. Um, I'm not talking about the Romans 12 gifts. I'm talking about the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12. If you don't know what that list is, that's completely okay. Um, we're not necessarily going to look through all of them tonight, but um, if you had to take a wild guess when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, why are they here? Why do they exist? Why did God give them to the Spirit? Good answer. Great answer. Biblical answer. Can you specify that you're talking about the gifts of the Spirit? Mm -hmm. First Corinthians 12. The nine gifts of the Spirit. They are the gift of prophecy... The gift of tongues, the interpretation of tongues, gifts of healing, the gift of miracles, the gift of faith, the discerning of spirits, the word of wisdom, and the word of knowledge. To bring the kingdom to earth. Okay, good answer. Great answer. Good answer. Bring the kingdom to earth. To fulfill the promise that greater things we will do. Good answer. Very good. So far, so far, so good. Right. I said for the perfection of the saints. That's the Ephesians 4 gifts. Still a good answer. It's still biblical. Just a different different set of gifts. Yes. I'm being edified. Alright. Jasmine, you got one? So is Ariel. Hey. Yo, you guys got answers? Give me your Ball answers. Me. Ball me. Go ahead. Good answer. Errol, do you have one? It's real basic. 
Basic Ronnie is here. Produces fruit. It produces 
uh, lasting change and worldly love doesn't. It allows people to sit in their stuff. It, it allows people to continue to partner with the enemy and, and stay deceived, right? And so before we move on to anything about the gifts of the Spirit and their purposes and, and even the stuff that happens in Acts, because uh, I'm going to prove uh, a lot of what I'm saying a lot of what God showed me just through, we're just going to go through like a bunch of stories in the book of Acts, um, and it's going to be really good, but uh, we need to understand that first and foremost that like this, this the gifts, they're, they're, they're for us, but they're not about us. Does that make sense? They're, they're for God. They're always for God, and, and if it's not going to bring him glory, then he's not going to let you use your gift effectively. Does that make sense? Because your pride, he comes against the proud. And if the gift is about you, then it's about your pride. And he will, he might let you do some things in order to love people, to convert somebody, to help somebody get the breakthrough. But at the end of the day, for you, that moment of ministry, you stop short of the breakthrough that you could have had with that person not not their breakthrough, but your breakthrough. Because anytime you're ministering to somebody, you're getting breakthrough too. You're, you're, God's moving. He's doing something in you at the same time. He's revealing to you maybe areas that you need to work on. Maybe he's revealing to you where you're not patient enough yet or you're not kind enough yet. Like, But he, he can't show you that if your pride keeps getting in the way. And if the gifts of the Spirit and you using them are about you, then they're not fulfilling their purpose. Does that make sense? All right, so 1 Peter 4, verses 10 through 11 says, And every man has received the gift. Even so, minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God gives, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever. Amen. Um, I like that. I like that a lot. I don't, I don't read Peter much, but sometimes I forget how much I like what he says and how simple it is. Because Peter knows what it's like to have the gifts be about him. Man, he was so about his gifts that he thought he could tell Jesus that he shouldn't go to the cross and get crucified. And you know what Jesus responded with? Get behind me, Satan. I don't want Jesus to respond to me that way. And he has. Look, like, I'm speaking from experience. Um... For people who have been a, a part of this ministry in the past, you know, watching my life, how much I was about the gifts and how much I was about just like looking big for people. Mm. And um, the gifts were about me. And like, yeah, God, I mean, God used me. God's used me plenty of times to deliver people from demons, to heal people of cancer. This one time, man, like I prayed for this lady and ligaments in, under her kneecaps grew that she had never had because she, like, they didn't develop as her body was developing. And she went and sprinted around Short Pump Mall, like, four or five times, and she she couldn't do that before. Like, mm -hmm. I've seen crazy stuff happen. Yeah. But back then, it was about me. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
it was. And I used to say that it was about God, and I used to say that it was about glorifying God, but, like, it got to the point to where there were some kids in the West End that were like, hey, let's go to C28 so we can get Ronnie'd. And it took me a long time to actually correct them because I liked the attention that I was getting. Yeah. So that's me being humble. I, I never said that. <laughs> Thank you. I didn't say you did. Uh, I never got Ronnie. But, uh, but I, I, I really like, I, I, as we get into this stuff, as you guys get to see more and more of what your gifts are, and like we learn how to use them, not just like as individuals, but as a body, so that we all can flow with the Holy Spirit. I, I don't want my, my heart in this is to show you guys that like. There's a, there's a very fine line that we need to make sure that we, we don't cross because the gifts are for us, but they're not about us. They're about glorifying God. And we, we, we need to make sure that our heart posture, that we're, we're open and we're willing to receive like that correction if it does become about us at some point. Um, I was thinking about what you just said about somebody saying, oh, I want to go find Ronnie. My personal opinion is if somebody was to say that about anybody in here, because they knew of their faith, yeah, because that's what prevents people from receiving from God is their lack of faith, yeah. And if it means that uh, you come to me because you know that I'm that my faith is strong, and just by me praying with you builds you up to receive to have that faith, I don't. I mean, it's all. I guess it's all on how you take it. Because I guess if you know, all they're looking for me, you know, if it's like that, it's one thing. But yeah. I mean, you know, if you humbly accept that position, I mean, as I mean, I've seen, you know, uh, Benny Hinn. I mean, people say what they want to say about him, but the miraculous has been done in, in many of his um, uh, crusades because of the fact of his faith. Yeah. Well, again, and that's why I'm saying like. We need to. There's a. There's that fine line. Yeah. You know. And they called it getting Ronnie. Yeah. It wasn't about like, uh, hey, let's go. Ronnie'd. Let's go. Like, Ronnie's a man of God. Let's let's have him pray for us because like we'll meet yeah. Jesus or Jesus will be there or whatever. It was like, no, let's go to the mall and get Ronnie. You know, I became a verb at that point. Wow. And like, <laughs> I took that the wrong way. <laughs> so, um, that's why I'm. That's why I'm saying like. Yeah. <laughs> we're nouns. We're not supposed to be verbs. Well, what about Trump? <laughs> anyway, we're going to move on from that. Um, let's go to 1 Corinthians 14. So the first purpose of the gifts of the Spirit is they are here to glorify God, right? First and foremost. That's what they're about. Um, but let's read, let's read 1 Corinthians 14. It is a great chapter. Uh, it is a chapter that uh, many, many people take out of context. Uh, some people take it to mean that you shouldn't speak in tongues or prophesy at church. It's not what the chapter says. Some people take it to mean that you can yell prophecies and yell in tongues in church. Not what the chapter says. But we're not going to address any of that tonight. We're going to talk strictly about the gifts of the Spirit and what he says about the gifts of the Spirit. Is that cool? Good. Cool. All right, so uh, we're going to look at verses 1 through 3 first. So I want to show you guys um, these first three verses, and then we'll talk about the verse that talks about non-believers, okay? So I want you guys to see that the gifts of the Spirit, they're here for you. They're here for you to use them. 
Um, they're here for you to walk in them. Uh, and they're for everyone else in the room, too. Like, your gifts aren't just for you. You know? They're for you in the sense that God wants you to be a good steward of them. But they're for everyone else in the room, too, in the sense that He wants you to use them to help others and to build up the church. Um, let's do verses 1 through 3. Uh, it says... Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. For he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no man understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. But he that prophesies speaks to men to edification and to exhortation and to comfort. He that, or let's, go to, let's read verse 4 too. He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself that he that prophesies edifies the church. So there are two things that I want you to take away from these set of verses right here. The first one is that Paul says here that we should desire spiritual gifts. Okay? If you don't know what your gifts are, that's okay. We're going to get to that as we continue as a body. Um, but God wants you to desire what your gifts are. I don't know what your gifts are yet. You may not know what your gifts are yet, but it's okay to desire them. Okay? Um, some people can pray for specifics. I know if you listen to Todd White's testimony, he prayed for healing for a long time. And he had a journal of thousands upon thousands of people that he prayed for that never got healed. And then one day something clicked. And now he's got journal entries, thousands upon thousands of them, of people who have gotten healed. Um, because he just wanted that gift that badly. He wanted that. Um, so I would, I would encourage you not to just desire one gift. I would encourage you to desire the best gift for you and for whatever God has you set up for. Um, I personally believe that every believer can walk in all nine gifts of the Spirit to a degree. Um, especially when they might be the only Christian on the scene, because God's looking for who's open. <laughs> and if you're open, oh, it's a good time. <laughs> but when you're in a body like we are, like we've been, you know, there might only be one person manifesting a particular gift a night. You know, there have been plenty of times where um, people might sing prophetically, and that's a little, that's a little bit a little bit of a different like uh, category necessarily than like uh, walking in like the full gift of prophecy for the group as an announcement in the moment, you know. Um, but, you know, there have been plenty of times where we'll go for weeks and then all of a sudden Savannah's just got this amazing word, you know, for the group that God's just laid on her and it's great, you know. Sometimes there will be nights where like, the gift of faith will hit and I, I, and God just like step into it and I'll step into it. And then all of a sudden, like, I just see how things are orchestrating and we can, it's, it's almost like I can pick and pull and it's like, I, I see this puzzle and I move things into place and it's awesome. And like, that's just one manifestation of it. Okay. Like you guys can walk. I'm not saying this to like set us apart. I'm, I'm saying this because I want to give you guys faith and impart faith to you to let you know that you can walk in these things. They are things to be desired. Okay, um, we are not special in the sense that we are any different. 
from any of you guys at all, period. Like, same Holy Spirit, all right? You know, McKinley might be walking in spiritual gifts here soon because she doesn't get a junior Holy Spirit. Yeah. We all have the same Holy Spirit. I'm not going to, like, from the mouths of babes, God's praises are known, right? So, um... Did you ever hear her talk? She got it. <laughs> yes. She got it good. The second, the second thing that I want you to take away from these seven verses is in verse 4. It says, But he that prophesies edifies the church. I looked up that word edifies because I wanted to see specifically what Paul was talking about here. And if you trace the word, first of all, the, the word in, in the, in the uh, Greek means to build up or to establish. Now, if you trace it back far enough into the root of the word, the root of the word actually is house or home, which I think is really interesting, right? Um, the word church here in the Greek means a congregation of people or, or family of people. So God is saying here that these gifts are for the building up of his home for his people. Does that make sense? So they are, they are for us. Um, we're going to jump down to 1 Corinthians 14, um, 12. It says, Even so you, for as much as you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. In this verse, Paul is saying that you are supposed to be zealous. You are supposed to be going after these spiritual gifts. God wants you to have these things. You need to be praying for them. You need to be seeking after them in your life. But even more so than you desire the spiritual gifts, desire that you would be edifying to the church, to God's house of believers, right? And then 1 Corinthians 14, 26. Got to flip the page. Excuse me. It says, How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you has a psalm, has a doctrine, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation? Let all things be done to edifying. Um, what are we supposed to be edifying? I'll give you a hint. Non believers do not come in a psalm with a psalm. They do not come with a doctrine or a tongue or a revelation or an interpretation. Only believers do that, right? So when we come together, we come together to edify, to build up. That's what the gifts are for. Um, it's amazing, right? So the gifts, first and foremost, to glorify God, to edify the body of Christ, to build us up, to help us with our healing process. They help us with our sanctification process. Man, sometimes God gives us gifts. Like, in the New Testament, Jesus gives the 12 apostles dominion. And it's just like, here are all these spiritual gifts. Have at it. And then they come back, and he's like, that was a great test. 70 more. Go for it. And he pushes 70 more people out. 70 people that aren't following him day to day, that aren't with him every day like the 12 apostles are, right? And yet he gives them 70 other people, spiritual gifts, and they go out. And then they come back and they're like, man, Jesus, you should have seen us. We healed all kinds of people. We cast out demons. And Jesus is like, well, I know where your heart's at. You shouldn't be glorifying in the fact that 
you did all these awesome things. Mm. Should glorify in the fact that your name is written in heaven. Yeah. Right? So sometimes, as much as we don't like to admit it, and as much as like we want to help prevent moments like that, which is why we're going to go through a little bit of a sanctification process again with a couple different subjects before we actually start introducing the gifts. Um, sometimes Jesus gives us gifts in order to reveal our heart so that he can work on it. Right? So, you know, I just, I just want to encourage you guys in that. Don't, don't think that, like, just because you, you sinned that you blew it and your gifts walk away. They, they don't. Just, God doesn't... God doesn't give anything out in, in like... He's not in I was going to say that, but I'm then I was like... <laughs> I had, uh, I've been doing a lot of ancestry things, so we can talk about that later. So, yes, God's not an Indian giver. Um, so, back to the third reason why the gifts exist. The third purpose is to convert unbelievers. Let's look at verses 24 through 25. Um, still in chapter 14. Still in chapter 14. I did a, like, man, I looked through a lot. I looked through a lot when it came to this. I, and I, I did find verses about the set of gifts in Ephesians 4. All it says is that those gifts are the, for the perfection of the saints through the work of the ministry, right? Which means the first group, the Ephesians 4 gifts, the fivefold ministry, they're not for non-believers at all. They're for the perfection of the saints through the work of the ministry. They're, they're for the church too. And then I looked at uh, the gifts in Romans 12, and those gifts are, it's a little bit different, because it says that those gifts, in the chapter before that, they're without repentance, so they don't go anywhere, which I feel like, this is just, this, this is not gospel, this is just me giving you my opinion before we get into to what I found about these gifts specifically, because a lot of people mix up these gifts. Um, I personally feel like the, the Romans 12 gifts are like more like personality gifts, because you see great leaders that weren't Christians. Mm. As much as we hate to admit it, Hitler was a great leader. Mm. Great leader. I mean, almost took over the world. Yeah. <laughs> you know, convinced uh, an entire nation to go haywire. It takes a great leader to do that. Mm. Was he a Christian? Judging by his lifestyle? No. No, he wasn't. <laughs> and did he ever repent? Probably not. I don't know. I don't know where he was at at the end of his life. But what I do know is that like he had he had a gift of leadership that was out with with, with was without repentance, right? So, but when it comes to these gifts, the first uh, Corinthians twelve gifts, the gifts of the Spirit, that's what we're looking at. Um, in verses twenty four and twenty five, it says, "But if all prophesy, and there come in one that believes not, or one unlearned." He is convinced of all. He is judged of all. And thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. So falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. So in this chapter of 1 Corinthians, we find three sets of verses that talk about how the spiritual gifts, the gifts of the Spirit, are for the body of Christ and to build up the body. And only one that talks about a non-believer. Alright? I would like to propose to you that the gifts are um, three times more likely to be seen and made manifest 
in order to build up the church and help the body of Christ. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you this in the Bible um, in just a second. We're going to go through a bunch of stories in the book of Acts. And out of, out of you know, if, it was, if it's four times going, three of those four times are going to be for believers specifically to help them in something. And then that fourth time is going to be for the non-believers in order to create new believers to build up the church that way. Okay, does that make sense? Are you tracking with me? That doesn't mean that we that that doesn't mean that we stop and halt our plans and say, oh, well, the gifts aren't for believers. They are. They are. We need to learn how to use them correctly and walk in them correctly, so that when we go to non-believers, we aren't just spitting divination at them, hoping that we have a prophetic word. We need to go to them knowing, hey, I have a prophetic word, right? We don't need to go to them and like, you know, freak out because we want to pray for their healing, but we don't know how. We need to be able to go to them with first full assurance of who God is and what he's, what he's called us to and say, hey man, you want to come into a kingdom that has healing? I got the best health insurance that, you ever, that you've ever needed in this kingdom. Let's pray. Let's go for it, right? So, um, you might be wondering, well... All these gifts of the Spirit, this talk about gifts and walking in the gifts, how are they obtained? Um, let's go to Acts 2. We're going to sit in Acts for a long time tonight, guys. We may not go through all the points, but we are going to hit quite a few. explicitly say this in Acts 2, but I firmly believe that they were together fasting and praying. Uh, because it's very unlikely that any group of people, 120 people no less, would be in one accord unless they were all fasting and praying and submitting themselves to God. Alright? Um, so this is like our basis for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which we're not talking about the doctrine of it tonight or praying for it tonight. I just want to give you guys something to look forward to, all right? The gifts of the Spirit are obtained through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is what happened on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2. And it says, uh, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, there were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Right? A lot of other cool things happen right after that. I'm not going to get into that at the moment, but I want you guys to see that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is what unlocks your gifts. All right? Um, and that's a cool thing. So, here's, here's the thing. Um, the gifts are first and foremost for God, but I want to show you guys something. Did you know that the first gift of the Holy Spirit that He gives us is the gift of Himself? That might sound real weird for a second. Let me explain. See, 
I've been walking for months now under the impression that the gifts of the Spirit were for the non-believers and that we needed to get them ready in here and then eject them out into the world to get non-believers saved. And that is part of it, but I missed a key portion of Scripture where it talks about the gifts being for the edification of the body. Um, and God this morning, it was funny, I... Uh, this week I only had those like three main points that the <laughs> the gifts of the, the purpose of the gifts of the spirit are for God's glory and then to build up the body and then to convert unbelievers and I was like I don't know where to go after that this is like such a light teaching um, especially for me and today Matt and I did a bunch of yard work and then I came inside and I showered and uh, God just likes to talk to me in the shower and he goes I'm not even thinking about it at this point but he, he, uh, I felt him like smile and look at me and I was like, all right, God's here with me. This is great. And he goes, Hey, do you know what the first gift of the Holy Spirit is? And I was like, tongues, <laughs> right? This is a trick question. Tongues, tongues, right? And he goes, no, the first gift of the Holy Spirit is the gift of himself. Mm. And I said, what do you mean? And he goes, well, talking about the gifts of the Spirit tonight, and I want to break you of some chains that have been holding you back. He said, uh, the first gift of the Holy Spirit is the gift of Himself to the believer. And I said, okay, explain this to me. So I'm going to take you back a little bit. We're not going to go to this verse specifically, but if you look through the book of John, I believe it's chapter 20, Jesus appears before the 12 disciples in the upper room, and he says, here, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he blows on them, and then they receive the Holy Spirit, right? They're saved at that point. But they receive the Holy Spirit again here. And if you look in Luke 24, Jesus says, but wait, there's more. Wait in Jerusalem for the gift of the Holy Spirit to come upon you, so that you may be baptized in the Holy Spirit and walk in power. Peter after he is baptized in the Holy Spirit, after he gives this huge speech to everybody, the last thing that he says in this speech in Acts 2.38, he says, Then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And, alright, so let's, let's, let's look at this for a second before we get into the end. If you believe in the name of Lord Jesus Christ and you're baptized in his name, that means you're a believer, right? Correct? Yes. Right? Hopefully. I mean, we're not going to get into, like, heart stuff because that's that gets really judgy and critical and weird. But you believe in the name of the Lord Jesus and you're baptized for the remission of your sins. You're a believer, right? And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. What are the purpose of the gifts of the Spirit? To glorify God. To edify the church. And then to convert non-believers, right? Alright, so let's break this down. That the day of Pentecost, did it glorify God? Yeah. Yes. That experience, who did it happen to first? The believer or the non-believer? The believers. Who got the gifts first? The believer or the non-believers? Believers. How did they know they were baptized in the gifts of the Spirit? Because they spoke in other tongues and they saw tongues of fire floating around their heads, right? Tongues isn't the only way to know that you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's another, like, night entirely. So, if you've never spoken in tongues, but people have prayed for you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're probably baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
most likely, all right, you just, that may not be your gift, like, right now, and that's okay, like, we'll get there, um, we'll get into talking about that stuff later, but I want you to see that the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit can only come once you've received the gift that is the Holy Spirit in order to walk in, in what He has for you, right? I know this might be a little bit boring, there, there's a lot of doctrine in here that I, I just kind of want to, I, I just think it's important that we, that we talk about this, okay, like, we see here through that through this verse um, that the first gift that the Holy Spirit gives us is that of Himself. He can only give Himself to someone who has repented and believes in the name of the Lord Jesus. Therefore, the first gift of the Holy Spirit is given to new believers in order to seal and begin their sanctification process. The second gift of the Holy Spirit that He gave, biblically, right? That's how we're breaking this down in the New Testament is the gift of tongues that were used by believers. We read that, right? Then, uh, the, the gift of tongues which were, was, was used by believers, which means it was for the believers at that time. It was meant to give them faith to propel them outward. I don't know about you, but I don't know if I would have just gone out and like started preaching repentance if I just felt a rushing wind come into a room. I'd probably be like, that was a little weird, but let's be honest. Unless there were other people in the room speaking in tongues, right, to build my faith, to build our faith, would we go out and preach repentance? Probably not. So those tongues, when they first started, I would like to propose to you that when those tongues first started, they were for the believer. Because what are tongues for? We read it in 1 Corinthians 14, right in the beginning. They're to edify the believer, right? So they edified them, they built them up, and then they went out. And then what happened? The interpretation of tongues hit. And they were able to speak to people of other languages and know what they were speaking because they all knew that they were glorifying God. So the gifts built them up and then they sent them, the gifts sent them out so that non-believers were converted. And then at the end, Peter says, well, you know, repent and stuff. Really cool, right? So we see this process. There's this. There's this. Uh, I don't remember what it's called, but there's this. There's this biblical like law slash doctrine where there's like um, the when you see something happen first, the for the first time in the Bible, it's the prototype. And so for the first time, we see that like when the Holy Spirit comes to rest upon us through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the gifts are first and foremost for the believer, and then. They're meant to go out and be for un, for the unbeliever, for the converting of the unbeliever. Does that make sense? You guys tracking with me? We're gonna go through a couple more examples of this. How much time? Thirty-eight minutes. Yeah, we'll only do a couple. I have a list of them. Um, I went to Blue Letter Bible and I just googled like the miracles in Acts, and it brought up this huge list. And so I started reading through like the actual miracles that happened, and I started to notice this pattern over and over and over again. All right. Um, so let's let's look at a couple of examples. Who want, does anybody want to read for me tonight? Ariel, will you go to Acts? Um, three verses one through eleven. Um, who else wants to read? Anybody else want to read for me? Acts five verses twelve through sixteen. Um, 
Let's do Acts 12, 7 through 17. Who wants to read that one for me? Matt does. Matt's going to do it. <laughs> All right, Ariel, you ready? continue on with this story, you find that people are freaking out, and they're like, how did this happen? I'm like, are you guys magical? And Peter and John are like, why are you looking at us? Jesus did this. This is a Jesus thing. And then they get persecuted, which happens. And then they go back to the rest of the believers, and they say, you know what, we need to pray again. And then in Acts 4, you find out that they pray with such boldness and earnesty that they're filled with the Spirit again, which is amazing because they've been filled with the Spirit like twice at this point. They're filled with the Holy Spirit again. The earth shakes and they go out in boldness. Alright? So this story in particular, one of the reasons why I wanted to read it is because just like everything else that God does, because He doesn't like to be in a box, He breaks His own rules to show us that even though He has rules and laws that He wants us to follow, He's not a legalist. Alright? So I want to show you guys something. In this, this story, I have no idea if this beggar was a believer or not. I don't. So they're walking in these gifts of the Spirit, which, yeah, they're first and foremost for them. And this whole thing is used to glorify God. But this pattern that I'm talking about as far as like the gifts being there to glorify God and being there for the believer first and then being there for the unbeliever, I don't know if this pattern fits with this story. And I wanted to show you guys that and be honest about it because it doesn't specifically say. All right? But what I do know is that through this miracle, this gift of miracles that Peter had that just gave this guy his legs back, uh, God is glorified. This guy runs up and down this temple like screaming and giving glory to God, right? Which is amazing. And then it encourages the believers there. Does it convert him? I don't know. Is he already converted? I don't know. It could have been a pattern, like, the same basic principles of the pattern are there, but honestly, like, biblically speaking, the, with the verbiage and stuff that the Bible's using here, I just, I don't know. And I wanted to be honest about that, so we're going to move on. Um, let's see, who did I give? I gave Acts 5, right? Uh, 12 through 16. Yep. 
signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dare join them, but the people esteemed them highly. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on the beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Awesome. I like this story a lot. This is one of those miracles where Jesus is like, oh yeah, you guys will go do greater works. I love this story. Do you ever see Jesus' shadow healing anybody? No. <laughs> this story freaks me out. I would love for my shadow to heal people. All right. So I want to kind of show you guys the pattern here. Uh, they do many signs and wonders, right? Which, of course, builds them up. It edifies them because they know they're doing the Lord's work, right? Um, so first and foremost, it, it gives glory to God. It edifies the saints, and then it gets people converted. It even says that people are added to them daily. But then, all of a sudden, I would like to propose to you that it goes back to building up and edifying the church because people were converted, and they said, you know what? Jesus is healing all these people. Let's bring them. The thing about deliverance and demons is that very rarely will you get someone saved if you, all you ever do is deliver them. You need to like help push them into the way of Jesus first. Because Jesus said that if you deliver somebody, if you cast the Spirit out and he is not filled, what happens? Comes back. Seven times stronger with seven of its friends that are seven times stronger than it is now that it's seven times stronger. Which is bonkers. So I would like to propose to you that through the glorification of God, the edifying of the saints, the converting of the non-believers, it went back to the edification of the saints because the apostles knew that just casting out spirits wasn't going to be enough. So these people who were laying out in the streets had to be believers already or else it would not have helped them. It would have been irresponsible. It would not have been decently and in order as God wants things because it would have set them up to have those demons come back and have Satan infiltrate their life and be even stronger than he was before. All right, I'd like to propose that. That's not explicitly said in Scripture, um, but this is just kind of the pattern that I see that Jesus talked about unfolding. All right, um, so I just encourage you guys if you have the gift of faith and the gift of miracles, and you think it would be cool to cast out a demon, figure out where their faith is at first, because it could be a bad time. Mm. Um, so, uh, and then, what was what was the other one that I said? Uh, Acts 12. Yeah. Acts 12, 7 through 17. This one's really cool. I like this one, too. Now, behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly, and his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Put on Actually, your... Matt, can you stop for a second? Yep. Can you start at verse 5? Yep. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God by for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly, and his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. 
And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they were past the first and the second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. But they said to her, You were beside yourself. Yet she kept insisting that it was so. So they said, It is his angel. Now Peter continued knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But motioning to them with his hand to keep silent, he declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, Go tell these things to James and to the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. Alright, so somebody in that group of people that were praying for him had the gift of miracles and just like unleashed this whole crazy weird thing where this angel just showed up and let him out of prison. Alright, I think that that is freaking bonkers. I love it. This is this is such a miracle. Like, I don't I don't always know like the gift of miracles how it works. Oftentimes when you see like crazy miracles happen in the Bible, a lot of times there's some significance of like sometimes there's an angel there, sometimes they're not. But what I do know is that the the, the only reason why the angel acted was because they were praying, and I, I firmly firmly believe that the gift of miracles was active in that moment. I don't know how, I don't know why, but it's a pretty miraculous thing if an angel shows up to lead you out of prison and just opens the doors for you. It doesn't even say that the angel like physically opened the door, it just says that they opened and they just walked out, right? Which means something miraculous was happening in that, in that moment, okay? And so this is another one of those, like, another one of those, uh, it goes back to that prototype that we saw at the very beginning of the book of Acts where, like, it glorifies God, but in that moment, that miracle, who was it for? Because it wasn't for a non-believer, it was for the believer, right? But through that, how many people got converted after that? I don't know, it doesn't say, but what I do know is that makes a crazy story. Like, they knew that he was going to be beheaded the next day, and there's no way that he should have been out of that prison. And that is just crazy to me. It's crazy to me. Um... Let's see. We'll do. We'll do. Uh, uh, do you guys want to do a couple more, or do you guys get, think you got the point? I don't want to bore you. Not All right. Well then. Yeah. All right. Well then, we'll do a couple more. Um, let's do Acts nine thirty six through forty one. Who wants to read that one for me? Anybody? Anybody? Take it. I'll read it. You'll read it? Go ahead. Go read that thing. What, what is it again? <laughs> Acts 9, 36 through 41. Ooh. This one is crazy. I love this one. Alright, now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. <laughs> This woman. <laughs> Literally every time anyone ever reads this. Uh, this woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. 
And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died. Whom, when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. And forasmuch as Lydda was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they, they sent unto them two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the windows stood by him weeping. Or widows. <laughs> all the widows stood by him weeping. I was like, that is a weird phrase. All the widows stood by him weeping and shewing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed, and turning him to the body said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Awesome. Go ahead and read through 42. And he gave her his hand and lifted her up, and when he had called, the saints and widows presented her alive. And it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. All right, cool. So here's our pattern again. All right? We see that this disciple of the Lord Jesus, named Tabitha, dies. doesn't really say why. It just says she got sick and she died, right? And then other believers are like, you know who could help Peter? He knows that Jesus guy. And I bet you he would know what to do. So they call him and he shows up and he's like, you know what? Let's pray for a little while. He prays and then he says, hey, Tabitha, you should just, you know, Come back to life now. Get up. What? <laughs> and she just opens her eyes and looks at him and says, All right, tight. Yeah, I'm going to wake up now. You know, and just gets up. And he takes her hand. And what happens? She's, she's the believer, right? The miracle happens to her. He takes her out. Everyone sees. And then many believed and were converted. I love that. I love that. And Jesus, I mean, Jesus even did the same thing. Like, how many times, how many times in the Bible does he, after he heals somebody, he goes, your faith has made you well. Look, I don't know about you guys, but like, when I was a, when I was a non-believer, I didn't have any faith. So there's no way that my faith could have made me well. And it's not that Jesus doesn't ever break that mold because he's, I mean, he's God, he does what he wants. And like, there are very often times where God will use a miracle in order to save someone, Right? But what I want you to see is that God knows us, or the world knows us by our love for one another. And faith, the thing that produces the gifts of the Spirit, works through love. And so if our love for one another is working the right way, if it's about God, it's about glorifying God, then the gifts of the Spirit are going to be active. They're going to be working among us, and the non-believers are going to see it, and they're going to want it. And then we can just invite them into the kingdom. Does that make sense? Like, and I and I know I'm making a like a big deal. I, I feel like personally, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I feel like I'm making a big deal about the gifts being for believers, but I I really had to like repent this week because I honestly believed that the only reason I was we were gearing up to do this was to was to affect the communities that we're in where non-believers exist. And that that is part of it. But God's purpose on the earth is not singular. It's twofold. It's it's to sanctify believers and convert non-believers so that they can get sanctified, right? 
but non-believers aren't going get, to get converted and get sanctified unless we're getting sanctified on our own. And so it has to start with us. Does that make sense? And so, like, that's, that's not just sanctification in the sense of, like, getting clean and getting rid of sins and spirits and demons and all this other stuff. It starts with the gifts of the Spirit, too. And so, I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with this. We'll open it up for questions if you guys have some. But, like, what I want to see, what I feel like the Lord wants to see here at Identity House is for this to be a... Yes, thank you, McKinney. Uh, a safe place for us to be able to fast, to pray, to find out what our gifts are, and then figure out how to walk in them. Because it's clear through the book of 1 Corinthians that Paul was teaching about spiritual gifts and somehow was showing people how to use them, but nothing is explicitly said on how that is done. Alright, so I don't know how we're going to do that yet other than praying and fasting because that's the only 100% biblical example that we have. And so one of the reasons why we introduced uh, you know, other ideas and other, other aspects of prayer um, before all this and then went into a couple weeks where we talked about fasting and then even had a night where we all fasted and prayed together is because in order to gear up for the baptism of the Holy Spirit teaching that we're going to do in like a month and a half or so once a couple things died down is because we fast and pray for the gift for the baptism of the Holy Spirit but then we have to fast and pray for like our own giftings yeah. you know and like how they're going to glorify God and what we need to even be like praying <laughs> fasting and praying about what we even need to be fasting and praying for because some of us honestly probably don't even know like what kind of gifts we have so we don't even know what to be fasting and praying over Right, and so what I what I what I would what I want to what I feel like the Lord wants to do is uh, and we we're so close knit and we're like such a great family we edify each other all the time um, I love it like um, I love the fact that there's so little judgment here and that people can just like cry and like um, be humble and like admit when they're wrong and like they're accepted with open arms I I I adore that I. Will, I feel like the Lord wants us to take that and just continue to grow in that when it comes to these gifts, right? Because we need to figure out how to walk in them here so that we can walk in them the right way when we're out in front of non-believers. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's like the direction that we're headed. There, I mean, we're not going to be talking about the gifts of the Spirit every week. We're not going to be doing things like bang, 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 bang. It's going to be one of those things where we're like, we might introduce a new gift like once a month where the day before we do like a 24-hour fasting and prayer thing um, and then we kind of slowly but surely work into things that way. We talk about, you know, biblically what it says and, and you know, pray for impartation and, and, and things like that. Um, you know, I'm not sure how we're going to iron some of these things out quite yet, but but what I do know that the Lord wants is for you guys to be ready for it and to be thinking about it and um, to really just be working with Him to see what you need to get out of your life so that you can walk more effectively in the Spirit. Does that make sense? Um, 
Cool. Does anybody have any questions before I pray and like close us out? Does everybody feel like they understand what the purpose of the gifts of the Spirit are a little bit better? All right, tight. Cool. Um, so, Dad, we just come before you right now in the name of Jesus, and we thank you so much just for today, Lord. I thank you so much that um, you brought the people here who are supposed to be here. And I thank you so much for the people who are going to be listening to this later because, well, if they're listening to it, then they need to hear it too. So that's awesome. Um, I just thank you for what your word says and for the for the patterns that you lay out in Scripture because uh, they're important, you know. Um, and... We just thank you for the gifts of the Spirit. And I just pray right now, I just ask that you would just uh, show us what we need to be doing in order to get ready for for our gifts, for how to walk in them, for how to give you glory, for how to edify the church, and for how to help bring people into the kingdom. Because um, that's what it's about. That's their purpose, is to glorify you, to build up the church, and to convert the unsaved. Um, so yeah, we just thank you. We give you all the honor and glory and praise in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Uh, Matt, will you grab the chair that you're sitting in and the chair next to you and put them in the middle of the room for me, please? Facing each other or back to back? Uh, they can be facing each other if they want. Side by side. Side by side is good.